Welcome to another Quantum Conversation, brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and I invite you to sit back as we enter the quantum realm, that space of the greater part of you. It is your connection to infinite possibilities, infinite potential, and infinite mastery. Oh, welcome everyone. Thank you so much for being here. In this quantum conversation, we are actually going quantum. When we talk about this subject, this subject is dear to so many hearts. Maybe it's been a calling all your life. For me, it absolutely led me to a deeper awakening on my personal journey. And my guest today is on a mission to bring this to the world in home design and places it's sacred geometry and we are here to create our reality with the sacred geometry portal elizabeth diane joins us and we welcome her to quantum conversations hello elizabeth thank you for being here thank you so much lauren it's a real pleasure to be here with you and the energy feels really amazing and so I appreciate what you're doing, gathering us all together to have these discussions and really happy to be here. And um, my intention is uh, that that you learn a lot, get inspired and that the divine speaks to all of you in ways that is is um, for your greatest and highest evolution. So thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. So wonderful to meet you here and to be sharing in this space. It's fascinating because sacred geometry, we're going to learn more about it, but it's related to sound and all of creation. So before we go deeper into that topic, let's talk about you and what led you to doing this beautiful work because again here you are building designs with sacred geometry and all of it thank you we've been waiting for architects and the like to integrate this into our world and our planet and this is truly something for new earth so how did you come into this well that's such a great question it took me most of my life so far to discover this and and part of why i'm here and to share this with you all. Um, as a child, I always loved music, especially piano and architecture and sculpture. I gravitated to them, you know, whenever I had a chance, um, just dreamt of designing and building things that really spoke to my soul the way that music speaks to my soul. And um, partly what I got excited about when when I first discovered your work was your work with sound. And so most of my younger years uh, were spent thinking that music and form and sacred geometry were separate. I really didn't even know what sacred geometry was. I just knew that um, art, so much architecture had this beauty and that I couldn't explain and certain things in nature just fascinated me, spiral shells or, uh, you know, just the way that trees or or um, leaves might branch out. And just, I had so much wonder about it, yet um, I wasn't connecting the dots. And of course, my education didn't do a whole lot to connect those for me. It was meant for me to discover later in life 
I went into um, careers of that would support my, you know, my livelihood. Essentially, I ended up working for a land surveyor for years, and that's all geometry. Um, but I found that I could do the calculations uh, with just the basic geometers tools, compass, straight edge, or straight edge, <laughs> and a pencil, um, and a few other tools. And it, so I, something called me to it, but I wasn't sure what it was. And I ended up doing some civil engineering design. And my soul was just saying, there's more, this isn't creative enough. It's not creative enough. And my love was, you know, architecture and sculpture and um, you know, again, piano, I kept playing piano and just, just recognizing that it was feeding something in me. And I uh, finally ended up kind of going a non, non-traditional route and took uh, some eco-design courses at uh, the Evergreen State College, which is a liberal arts school. So they fuse all these different um, areas of study into one program that's full-time intensive work with an architect and and a a physicist. Um, And we, you know, I had so much to explore and learn and bring forward. And then I felt like I really started to blossom. And at the same time, I was starting to blossom internally as well. I was starting to meditate. I was tired of being really kind of unhappy um, and, I started to notice things in my vision, especially, you know, and when I was meditating, eyes closed, or if I was dancing uh, and I would suddenly get a flash of something, I didn't know that was my third eye. I was just finding these things out, you know, that we have this capacity in us to see uh, beyond the physical. And there's so much more beyond the physical, right? So I, I was really curious, what were these, these forms that I was seeing? Some of, them, some of them looked like mandalas and some of them were very specific, just a certain cross with certain proportions or a cube that, that had that four-dimensional um, you know, hypercube sort of action. And then I would see it later on a book cover, for example, and, and I'd be like, oh, that's what I saw. I, I have to find out more. So I put it out there to the universe. A week later, a friend says, Lisa, we're starting something you might enjoy. It's a sacred geometry class. I'm like, what? Really? What is this? And that got me going. I spent a few years studying with people who had been doing this work for over 20 years. They didn't really have any traditional lineage that they were bringing forward. It was just this wealth of information coming in from various sources. And I had to know more. So I kept studying. And I thought, I have to teach this. So I started teaching it. I, I, had, uh, I was up in Olympia, Washington at the time and had a group that, that just, we thrived on it. And we, uh, we continued doing it for every week for four years. And I started teaching at, um, you know, a private school up there, Phoenix Rising School, where they were teaching children about, you know, the power of the mind and, and how to, you know, open up your chakras and, so to speak, and just a variety of, of way out there um, things. They, they embraced the sacred geometry of children when they started to realize how they could apply this to art or engineering or uh, clothing design or um, just anything 
anything creative. Um, so I really, I really uh, expanded from that point. Um, came to Mount Shasta and actually was doing house, you know, sustainable home design um, until after the housing market crash and had, had to shift gears. So I started applying sacred geometry to also to graphics and, and website design as well. So there's so many applications um, for this, but the intention behind it to, to bring through some sort of harmony and beauty is, is really powerful. So that's kind of a summary of how I, how I got onto this and um, what I'd love to share. I absolutely love it because your curiosity fueled the interest. It fueled your research and it led you to a deeper awakening. And here we are today. And, you know, it's beautiful. Um, I just want to share that sacred geometry in so many people's lives has been a portal for awakening as well. I mean, even in my own life, the word sacred geometry, I went and Googled it, I think it was in 2006. <laughs> and um, it led me to Lemuria and I found my Lemurian family, which is, I don't know even how that's related, but a Google search led me to find my Lemurian family. And, and you know, and then my uh, birth dad, as I was mentioning earlier, created music from the universe which we're going to hear at the end of this but that has that was my awakening when i heard that song i just kept listening to it over and over and over and over and then i realized mathematical equations were assigned to musical notes or vice versa mm -hmm. musical notes assigned to the mathematics and it was like wow that's really cool and now here we are so many years later seeing that um, it's really a representation of the universe, the way the universe works, and we're seeing a different visual of it. So isn't that fascinating? It's so incredibly fascinating. Super fascinating. I had chills while you were telling me this about, you know, just waves of energy as you talked about Lemuria. And um, I'm also understanding the the knowledge that came through in the times of Lemurian Atlantis that led to things like the, the pyramids around the world mm -hmm. were actually, you know, essentially a Lemurian technology taught to the Atlanteans. And, but that's coming through an oral tradition of the Toltec. Uh, so I've been learning about that and, and had chills all over. I really resonate with, <laughs> with what you said. And I also... Yeah, understanding about the, the math with the music, because there's a whole field of cymatics, and it's spelled C-Y-M-A-T-I-C-S, and that is a visual representation. You hear the sound, and you see visually the patterns, the, the beautiful geometric patterns that form. Um, so, yeah, there's... Yes. Everything's just so combined, and, and here we are. I'm, I'm excited. That's why I feel like I, I don't mean to interject too soon, but I'm excited <laughs> because you just made sense as to why toning is so important. Because, you know, maybe at times, I know I'm not the only one that, that just has to emit a tone sometimes, just if it gets hectic or, or I have to help somebody clear something, it's just woo, 
it's a tone and it comes from the heart and it's different every time. But that right there is involving cymatics. So what are we doing to our blood? What are we doing to our vibration, our cells? What's happening in our bodies when we're toning, even when we're speaking? So this even represents an immaculate conversation or a conversation that's very conscious of every word that we use. And it goes back to Lemuria and the Hawaiians most recently, where aloha is the spirit of the breath and the spirit of the word. All right. So thank you. Thank you for letting me share that. And absolutely very insightful and well-spoken. Thank you. So um, let's go into the sacred geometry because for me, I had to go Google it back in the day and that led me on my journey, but you're the Google tool right now. And you explain it. It's basically what's going on here with sacred geometry. Because when I was in math, I did good in algebra, but I bought into the belief system that you do good either in algebra or geometry. And for Mm -hmm. some reason, in my geometry class, I just couldn't get it back in what was that middle school? I just couldn't get it. I did every single homework assignment. And even though every assignment was turned in and it was all wrong, I still got a C in the class. And that was my only C in all of my school. And I was really depressed by it. Yeah. Like thinking, I'm like, I got a C, but I really failed it. And so, you know, when we come to sacred geometry from this perspective, from a sound perspective, from a universal perspective, it does help us wrap our heads around it and when we begin to draw it ourselves and we'll talk more about that but can you share an elementary perspective of sacred geometry yeah definitely and i want to acknowledge what you talked about first too because a lot of people may approach this thinking oh i don't know if i could do this it sounds too much like my geometry class or too much like math and the thing is, is that it's so accessible. And, you know, if, if you, you learn to write and print letters, you can do this. It, it really is easy. And I was blessed with the most amazing geometry teacher. She kept telling us, it may be difficult, but I guarantee you stick with it. And at the right time, it's going to click for you. And she said, you know, I don't want to scare you, but some of you are going to get to the end of the quarter and maybe it hasn't clicked yet and you won't like your grade, but it's okay. She says it will click and it's just a matter of, of staying with it. And I love that. In my classes, the way I've, you know, I've been teaching a little differently because geometry classes in school, I almost wish they started with the sacred geometry to help inspire and connect you in in some way. But What I love about sacred geometry, it is all based on geometry, and they've done all these proofs, right? Plato and, you know, the ancient ones, and even um, since then, there's so many, uh, you know, Buckminster Fuller, for example, is is somebody who's, who's amazing. There's mathematicians who actually, you know, do the proofs, but geometry also has proofs that, like, once you know this thing is true, once you know that there's a line between two points, 
that's always true then. You know that much and it stays with you as you as you build upon it. And in a way, that's creation. Creation starting with the void of nothing except infinite potentials. One thought, one ohm, one word, one logos, one sound, one unified consciousness in the void, and then suddenly gives rise to infinity. But we can break it down so we can understand it more. And so, you know, these, what I love about teaching sacred geometry is that there's so many things that are self-evident. And I encourage everyone always to find what's self-evident, what, you know, you might go along with it. Okay, she says this, I'll, I'll draw it, I'll take, I'll try it out, I'll study it. And then if you want to know more, there's books full of proofs. If you ever feel like, you know, you need to, to see for yourself, there's all kinds of long drawn out proofs. But sometimes when you draw, you just see it for yourself. So. Um, Let's see, that you know can bring me back around to what sacred geometry is. It really is the patterns of nature. It's like the architecture of the cosmos. It's the way the divine creates. And since we are connected to divine, and if that's not your truth, that's okay. Um, you may have an experience at some point that that becomes your truth or not. It's okay. You can still embrace this work. Um, that we do create as creator creates, essentially. Um, one of the most familiar patterns in sacred geometry is the flower of life. And I, I just have this, this gold one here to, sh to show you. Um, and I, I can also screen share, get into screen sharing as well, um, to show a few things about sacred geometry that I think will really let people know um what this is let's see here get to preview. the first thing actually that's going to come up is cymatics this is an example of sound creating this pentagonal shape um let's see if i go uh, there's one in particular, this one right here. Um, what I love about these patterns is it shows you if you have underlying patterns, new patterns emerge from it. And it could keep getting very complex. You start with a pattern of lines, for example, um, and you can draw this beautiful, this is called the square root of two spiral. And there's reasons behind all these different kinds of names. Um, let's go back to some of the basics here. These are very recognizable forms in sacred geometry, the flower of life, which is thought to be uh, the, the structure of the, the background field or the void, what gives rise to creation. And um, we'll talk later about my special offers, but um, one of my offers walks us through a simple drawing of that and becomes very clear why this is true. You may or may not see that when you just look at the at the flower of life form. Um, and then here we have the golden mean spiral. A lot of people see that and associate it with sacred geometry. And the, there's fundamental reasons why 
This gives rise to proportions that we see in all organic life. And so um, it's like the ancient Greeks knew this, their architecture was based on it. When I've done some architecture based only on the golden mean, everything fit together so well. It was really, um, really beautiful to design that way. And then here in the middle, in the, in the center bottom, we have Metatron's cube. And that really comes, stems from the flower of life form um, but has all this line work that gives rise to uh, the platonic solids. And, you know, the platonic solids in themselves are fascinating. They are three-dimensional. I'll show you a couple of them here on my camera. Like there's a icosahedron, or yeah, a dodecahedron, and an icosahedron. But if you were to study these for a little bit, you'd start to see, wow, they look like maybe some of the crystal forms I've seen or atomic structures. You know, when, you know, um, when you look at the way electrons are, are most likely found around the nucleus of an atom, um, you see these in, in the macro and the micro scale. So I think I have. An example that kind of exemplifies the macro scale here. There's the golden mean spiral around a galaxy. Um, there's this beautiful harmonic ratio between the diameter of the Earth and the diameter of the moon that um, this whole form has so much significance. It would take me, you know, a good amount of time just to cover all of it in depth, but um, it's beautiful things. And then, you know, the, the micro scale, uh, the way crystals form, this is in the center here is uh, a high electron microscopy of a crystal structure. And then we have kind of a rather famous, um, you know, image of the egg, uh, human egg, and egg after it's been fertilized and starts dividing and reaches eight cells and you see how it fits in the flower of life. These are, these are rather common examples um, that, that we can, you know, dive into. Um, I'll just kind of leave that stop share. There we go. <laughs> so that's really, you know, some of the basics of it. Um, when we get into the practice of sacred geometry, to me, it's a very, it's another great meditative, contemplative practice where, uh, you know, we use simple, the simple tools I showed earlier, a compass, a straight edge, a pencil, and a piece of paper. And we don't need to use a calculator those proofs have been done for us. We, we don't have rulers on this. You, you can use a ruler, but there's no lines on here. We're gonna measure with proportion. And to me, this is like so metaphorical for how we relate to each other and to spirit and to the world around us. We, we have everything in proportion. What's the relationship of one part to the whole or one part to another part, to all the other parts? And it really speaks to our interconnectedness. Um, and, and as we do this practice, we're 
drawing circles and lines. And I'm always reminding people, come back to center. You, get, you can get lost, especially drawing the flower of life. It, it looks like a, a, you know, it's a beautiful, harmonious, um, symmetric sort of form. And you can easily get lost drawing it. And so I'm always reminding people, remember your source, remember your center. Always keep track of where that center is so you can come back to it easily, just like I would in my meditative practice, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, it's um, really beautiful. Thank you for sharing those images. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say, we are the flower of life. We are sacred geometry. Mm -hmm. We are the seed of life. If the first eight cells of our body form the seed of life, that tells us something. And so let's take this conversation into how masculine and feminine may be expressed in sacred geometry because it's all right there you showed metatron's cube and that right there is like isn't it everything isn't it all shape and form right there in the one and we are mm -hmm. spheres so mm -hmm. spheres and then lines let's go into detail about that because it's related to masculine yes and feminine. Oh, yeah great great question that is another aspect of sacred geometry is always about balance and we can understand that this world, all the physical realm is created with, you know, the, the polarity, electromagnetism. And, um, and of course, we see it with uh, especially the human experience of masculine and feminine. And we understand that finding that balance is so important. And of course, if we're out of balance, we see the impact of it in relationships with each other or the earth in nature. And so in sacred geometry, it is a reflection and a reminder to find that balance. So for example, in Metatron's cube, which I'll, I'll bring this back up that you mentioned. Um, in Metatron's cube, it's full of circles and lines. So here it is right here in the center bottom. The circles represent the feminine and the the lines represent the masculine. And of course, women tend to be softer, curvier, men tend to be more linear, especially when we assign the, the hemispheres of the brain, you know, the left hemisphere being masculine and linear and the right side being intuitive and, and feminine. But yet we have both of them in us. And of course, the importance of, of strengthening those cross connections certainly help us stay in balance. Um, with this practice, I encourage people to draw them and create art from them because you're using both sides of the brain. You're also deepening your experience and understanding. A lot of people tell me that they feel like it's doing something in them. They, it's working on them in some way. Here's some examples of class drawings where people just, you know, we spent time getting out the colors and, and making a little art um, just to experience it in a deeper way. Um, so yeah, the, there's many, many, many drawings that the central form of it is to balance masculine and feminine and becomes uh, through history, this has been an important aspect of sacred geometry is finding that balance. And then when you think about 
the harmonic of what we're doing on paper, our consciousness and our mind is embedded in it. It's affecting us. Like you said before, Loren, about it resonating in our cells and in the fluids in our body and all the ways that we take it in, in our DNA. Yeah. Mm, really fascinating. So as we draw sacred geometry, I want to say that, um, gosh, I think maybe about five or six years ago, maybe even longer, oh my goodness, I started to draw the seed of life and it's not easy. You would mm -hmm. think it is, but once you do draw it, it makes so much sense. That is when my middle school geometry class clicked in. <laughs> ah. Later, I finally got it. And it does help us see how we are all related. I think even earlier this year, I had an experience where I looked out and I could see where every action I could physically see how we are all affecting one another, whether we know mm -hmm. people or not. And that's what this is. That's what sacred geometry allows us to do is see it. So <laughs> what's important about drawing? What, like you said, is it rewiring our brain? Is it opening us up to other dimensions that we're able to see? Maybe that's it. It can, it can. And I've had that experience actually, um, from a combination of, of both drawing sacred geometry and meditating with it. So one of the most profound experiences that I had with sacred geometry was wanting to understand a pentagram. I, and this is one of the things I say, you know, let's make sure that this is self-evident to you. I was afraid of it. I love sacred geometry. And here I was going, ooh, I have this internal reaction every time I see a pentagram because it's associated with what I was told as I grew up was that it was wicked. It was evil. And um, I didn't have all the information about it. I only had one little aspect of potentially, um, you know, how it might have been misused or used in a way that was harmful to others. And intention is everything. I wanted to know for myself about this form. And so I had learned to uh, draw it. And then I did a blindfolded meditation with it. Um, it was a walking meditation, what, which is, um, was in a, a study that I did at a, at a mystery school, an esoteric school that I went to up in Washington. I'm happy to share more about that at some point. But we, we walk in this field blindfolded and I drew a card with a pentagram on it. And it's a single-minded focus on that one thing. It's especially helpful to hone in your um, you know, abilities to concentrate and activate the third eye. Um, and I went to one side of the fence and saw where I was because you can lift your blindfolds and look and see if your, your card is there because you don't know where it is. And I could see I was on the east side of the fence. So I put my blinders on, I turned around and I just cleared my mind. And I wanted so much to understand this with the truth from divinity to know what this is. And as I'm walking, I could start to see it just glitter. It, it had energy coming through it. It was coming alive, and then it started to morph multidimensionally in my mind. And I realized afterwards, it's like, what? Look at what we have 
you know, right here in this skull or from somewhere energetically or from some other dimension, this capacity to see something unfold into another dimension that you can't explain in, in the third or fourth dimension, you know, the fourth meaning time and movement. This was movement, but it was opening into a portal that was all white, just pure energy. And I'd taken maybe 10 steps, no more than 10 steps from that fence. And I was immersed in this. And then suddenly I hit the fence again. But I was two thirds of the way down this football size field. So probably, who knows, something like, you know, 50 yards at least, having only taken 10 steps. And I hit the fence and I looked, hold, pulled up my blinders and I looked and there was my card. It had my name. I had to sign it because I didn't even recognize it at first. I was in such an altered state. Wow. It was profound to me. I've learned a few things since then. I really feel like if you, you know, to, to do this kind of practice with sacred geometry, set strong intentions and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not advocating leaving your body per se, because I think we can do so much work embodied but I opened up something that became the inspiration for sacred geometry portal, you know? And so I came out of it just amazed, amazed at what, who and what we are, what we're capable of um, if we really apply. And I wasn't able to do that until I really had the joy in my heart for what I was doing. And the intention was pure and everything just opened up. So yeah, there can be some profound things happening um, with sacred geometry. And there's so much to explore. And even sitting and practicing in your body, staying, you know, just envisioning it in your meditations or sitting like with a yantra where you place the geometry in front of you and just, just stare at it. Let, let your mind go blank and let it inform you and setting your intentions the way that feels best for you um, and notice what happens. You might notice it, you know, things appearing around you, you know, that uh, messages from the divine that show up in particular ways or in your dream time. So it's a, it's a powerful practice. All right. So meditation with sacred geometry and mm -hmm the mandalas as well and even fractals um allow us to see more and mm -hmm. this yantra comes to mind what is that seven triangles but it looks like many and the shri yantra yes talk about that yeah the shri yantra let's see if i have a um an image of it to pull up um it is used in the Buddhist temples and a, a pillar of study. It in is in the, in the Hindu as well. Yeah. It is um, thought to be the form of Om, and which is pretty powerful. The Sri Yantra is the yes S R I, yeah R I. Y-A-N-T-R-A. -A. We probably right. Googling it right now. You can Google and see an image of it. Yeah, let's see. 
I've got I've got many here and I'm trying to find one that that well, that one's beautiful. Okay, so let me screen share. Okay, it's not very big. Sorry, you're seeing my whole desktop. Oh my goodness. Let's see. Are you seeing just the image? Now we are. Yes. Okay, good. I mean, even so so the inner. Go ahead. Say it again. No, no. Go ahead. I was just saying. Um, even the the flower type things around it. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Representing like the lotus. So you know, just the full enlightenment, and then in the inside is the Sri Yantra triangles. So there's four pointing up that are also attributed to be masculine, and then five pointing down which are attributed to the feminine. And together they make, if you counted all the triads in here, they'd make 42 triads. But the most important part here is that center dot. The, the Hindu would call it the, the bindi or the bindu. I'm not, I might be wrong on the, which terminology to use, but it is that source or what they call Brahman, uh, where you know your enlightenment just comes through. So this, drawing it is interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's not easy to draw at all. No. Um, because the triangles in the center there, there's just one that throws me off every time. And it's the and it's, upside yeah. down. And it's longer than the others. Or maybe not. Maybe it just looks longer. I don't know. Well, there's different methods to drawing it. And some will help you get closer to this proportion than others. In a lot of sacred geometry, there's an exacting math behind it. In the Sri Yantra, there's a little bit of flexibility to, to draw this form, which is interesting to me. It, it reminds me of how, you know, a tone held might have this almost like breath of inhale, exhale. So there's this range where it pulses. And that's what this form makes me think of and the fact that it has parameters and it has some flexibility at the same time which is really another balancing concept of where we have structure and where we have flow yes all right so um gosh so this it's connect when we understand the uh, images, it does help us connect to divine source. It does. Um, in fact, can you share the is there the story that um, in the beginning it was just the void and creator moved away from itself? And by yes. turning back, that's the story of sacred geometry. And that's a story it of really. Yes, exactly, exactly, because we are that, and it's sacred geometry can really reflect this to us. So if you want to close your eyes for a moment and imagine that there is no thing, imagine that if you have a thought come, it, it can just fade away, and between those thoughts, there's no thing. Some people would call this a japa meditation. Um, but there's 
absolutely nothing. And nothing even to be aware of that there's nothing. But if for a moment you see a point in this nothing, and that's all there is, is that one point in this nothing, it could expand and the, the void goes on for infinity. So it could get bigger and it's still no bigger because against forever, there's nothing except that one point. It could travel great distances, go somewhere else, but with nothing else around it forever, it still knows nothing. It just knows nothing. It knows there's nothing around it, but with infinite potentials, which there's this paradox that both could exist at the same time, this ripe fertile field of nothing that could give rise to everything. And that one little point, like a seed planted in that field of infinite potentials can only know itself by creating relationship, by pulling away from itself and seeing itself. And it may do that once and there's, then there's two looking at each other, connecting, seeing, suddenly being able to go farther away and see that the other one is now farther and come close and see that they're closer. And if that's done infinitely, if there's infinite points from the one that gives rise to all that is, it gives rise to infinite expressions of the one or infinite possibilities to be experienced by the one. And so this story of creation, it can be seen through the ancient texts of whatever culture or religion you're looking at, how if, you, if it was a word or a logos or something in the void, and the void being might be across the waters, that being representative of the void, it gives rise to all that is. So when you're ready to Open your eyes, feel free to, or stay in that space for a moment lot longer if you want to contemplate. The sacred geometry, when you're drawing that first point on the paper, it's representing that one source that we're all connected to, that we all arise from, that we all go home to, that we're always a part of. Expressing as an individuation of the one, the wholeness. And when that one pulls away and it's connected to source and it gets inspired, it may create something else. It says, ooh, source created me. I know how to do this. So now I can create something else from there. That's where you, you can like imagine maybe fractal patterns going out. Or you may envision a complete circle around a center point. That complete circle has infinite points around it, right? And those infinite points can include each one of us. We're all equidistant from the center. We're all equal around that center source in all one. And then if you take that one circle of all of us and pull away from that, you can pull away to a point where you're still connected your new center point, just like 
copying that first circle in that source point sits on the side of that circle, you can draw another circle that can be in perfect balance and still connected. And that can create a form called the vesica Pisces, which is something that I explain in the, in the video offering that's, that's on your page. So it's, it's something that I teach in the drawing, but you can just imagine that there, now there's two circles and they overlap each other. And they can continue to create in that same pattern. And that gives rise to what you've seen as the flower of life. That flower of life is, is like a template of that creation. And it happens that if you have one circle and then you overlap those circles and draw around it, you can fit six circles around that center circle equally. And they perfectly fit which gives us seven circles. And so some people use this as a story of creation, that each new circle is another day in creation, in the creation story, especially seen in Gen Genesis, the book of Genesis. Yeah. And it just brings to mind the sevens that we see everywhere in Peru, in the sacred sites, seven steps or seven, seven, seven colors of the rainbow, seven, it's everywhere, seven, seven chakras, chakras, seven main yeah. chakras. And so, wow, in mm -hmm. that visualization, you helped me and everyone, I hope, see truly how we are all connected. And that brings me to such great joy um, that that there's schools that are teaching sacred geometry. Uh, that's really so, so beautiful. And as architects begin to use this, as we, maybe it was already used in Atlantis. Um, maybe... And it's been used through history. Um, it's been kept secret in secret societies for quite a while. Right, like our city. And we look at our city layout, like Washington yes. DC. Okay, go ahead. Mm -hmm. The architecture architecture of temples and, and um, mosques and uh, churches, you know, everywhere use sacred geometry. Yeah. And really with that intention to help us harmonize and amplify the energies in a space, the way you may amplify sound and uh, to immerse yourself in a spiritual experience. Yes. So as we, so our homes and, and the structures that we live in and work in and hang out in, are they okay or can they be enhanced as well? Such a great question. <laughs> oh, I feel they could be greatly enhanced. Um, you know, a lot of people are very sensitive and tuned in that way. I'm becoming more and more so. I tend to bring through intuitively a vision of a proportion that feels right and other people will come in and experience a home and what feels right um, or what what may feel different but really is um, more resonant with the harmonics of the body or more resonant with uh, what we can surround ourselves with for um, greater connection to source, which might just come as a, just a, a feeling of harmony and well-being. 
but certainly what what's happened in our construction and uh, you know there's there's a practical side to things where um we needed to ship material or desired to ship materials uh long distances and trains so forth and they had a maximum width and you know there's <clears throat> you know certainly some math and everything in, in packing that all in efficiently um and so squares rectangles um certain widths are were just standardized so you know eight foot long studs um you know four foot wide by eight foot tall sheet you know sheetrock or um you know plywood for example for building became the norm and we went away from the things like you know the native culture a lot of native cultures build in circles and a circle is yeah super powerful and harmonious squares can be very grounding the pyramid base of a pyramid can amplify ley lines um so there's a lot that can be brought into our architecture with conscious decisions about the intention that we want in the structure um proportions of of windows and their alignment to you know the seasons um or or the equinoxes and and you know that that can bring us to a greater connection to those energies especially the more we open to in our intention to being tuned in that way yeah great question wow um mm -hmm. i just yeah. look forward to this getting out more and more it's no secret anymore and right. um, it makes you wonder why it was held secret or maybe it just wasn't out for the masses do you have you contemplated that yeah, I really have. And um, I've had, I've gone through my own personal emotions about it and resistance. At first, when I found out about this, I mean, oh my gosh, why wasn't I taught this when I was younger, you know? And and then I've um, met with a variety of people who have somehow had connections with secret societies and have looked at my own um, resistance, having heard stories either negative or positive and and looking at my own judgments about this and i can see that i also had a meditation where something was brought through to me very powerfully from um about the divine feminine that there was secret knowledge that even within a secret society some of those with very pure intentions and good hearts had to keep the main knowledge alive forward through time if that makes sense their intention was to um use what was whatever process was available to them at the time to hold a prayer or a vision or what however you want to say it to protect um secret knowledge or what was called secret knowledge because it could be misused and if they were seeing it widely misused and out of balance then some of that information might have been um, held secret for a period of time until it was considered time to bring it out again, either divinely guided or by prophecy or what have you. So, yeah, I've had a lot of feelings in the past about, um, you know, there's there, Freemasons are known as a group that especially um, concentrated on the sacred geometry knowledge. And I've never been a part of it. I've never been in a group um, that that is 
considered a secret society. Um, I was very curious about it and and why is it secret? And I was like, okay, when you look at time, like um, the oral history of the, I brought up the Toltec earlier, the oral history of the Toltec is such that there was a time when the knowledge was being utilized in a way that was, um, you know, keeping things in balance and beneficial for, for humanity. Um, but one group uh, found that if they used their knowledge in a certain way, they um, felt that it was um, creating a power to control the weather. And it included sacrifice, human sacrifice. The other part went back underground with their knowledge to come out in this day and time because they did not want to go that route. So I, I hope that answers your question. I see it as this is a time for this knowledge to come out and that the important here is remembering balance, remembering your center, remembering the power of your intention. And we can continue to encourage each other to use it in benevolent and balanced and helpful ways. Yes, let's talk more about intention. Mm -hmm. So we can use sacred geometry as intention amplifiers. How would we do that? Can you give an example? That's such a great question. Yes. Yeah, so for example, um, you know, I also do graphics and websites. So if I work with somebody's logo, and they are open to using sacred geometry in their logo. Um, and let's say their business is all about, let's say, let's say they're um, into permaculture, for example. So they're working with plants and, and the earth. And organic life is full of regeneration and the golden mean, which shows up in the golden mean spiral I showed earlier, or the pentagram is full of the golden mean ratio. And so, um, you know, their logo may, we may choose to let's use that golden mean spiral or that, that five pointed star and create a cool design with it. But the intention then is we understand this to be a proportion that we see in nature and in our bodies, even, um, yes, yeah, another thing that can be Googled, but like the ratio of this part of the palm of my hand to this part of my hand, that's a, a golden mean ratio. Of course, we all have our little variety and there's some imperfections, which is beautiful. That's what creates the expression here. But it seems that the mind of the divine God, source, creator, whatever you call it, created us with those proportions. And so if you use that in a logo, for example, you know, or in a greenhouse, you want to build and design a greenhouse and you use those proportions, you're you can also infuse your intention with it. It's, I believe there's a relationship with it where it's reminding our consciousness that that's our focus. And it's also asking it to be embedded in the work that's being done. So it can be a placeholder. And I believe that um, in ancient cultures, they might've called it a talisman. Um, I know there's different processes people might use to um, well, I've seen in indigenous cultures where they're, you know, shamanic culture might ask you to take an object and take your intention, you know, especially heart-centered and blow into it and let it hold that intention. 
I also feel that there's that resonance happening again in the in the heart and the mind and the apparatus that we have in our being that's on the physical connected to the spiritual uh, that can you know uh, that we're working with our intention just much the way we see prayer affecting a crystal a, a frozen water crystal that like Masaru Emoto does in his work and that's really great example of intention and how powerful it can be yeah okay. so those are some ways to use sacred geometry just to understand maybe more of what each form represents how it shows up in nature um what does it mean to you do you meditate on it and it's uh, you know you suddenly realize it's informing me this certain form maybe it's an octahedron and if you meditate on it maybe it's informing you that it means something for you and you want to utilize that so you can make it very personal as well beautiful okay it's almost as if the form itself it's hard to articulate but i do understand what you said but it's as if the form itself is holding the intention i believe it's really the way that it works in in the in the the field the if you want to think of the background field or spirit or source or whatever you call it you've just laid a pattern into that field with your intention and connected to source of all that is, then it comes back to us in the way that the divine and infinite intelligence chooses to bring to us. So thank oh, you for, for yes. asking that question because it, yes. <laughs> it helped me formulate. Yeah. Good, good. I get that. So mm -hmm. how can how can sacred geometry enhance our intuition? What's going on there? Yeah. Well, in much the same way, we are always in communication, like that example we did in the void of being one with source and then pulling away and seeing ourselves as one of those points. We're always connected to source, right? So um, we're always listening. We're always getting messages. We're, you know, and people who have a spiritual practice may already be very familiar with who they might call their guides or um, or they may have a deity or someone that they pray to, or it may, you may call it your higher self. There's so many words for it that we're trying to use to describe something that is in the unseen and at different levels of vibration. And at the highest or the, the most unified level of vibration, we're always connected there. So, um, you know, intuition comes from that place, right, of, of asking and tuning in. Sacred geometry is working with those patterns in the way that our mind thinks in the, the apparatus of, of the third eye, the lower cere cerebellum and the, the frontal lobe and the you know, the way, uh, you know, the neurochemistry works with the pineal gland and then the, the electricity that gets moved by, uh, you know, the cerebral spinal fluid and all of that. Um, 
and so much meditation is just designed to help activate that intuition. Sacred geometry is the part that formulates in mostly in the visual cortex by this relationship with source through this apparatus in our brain. And so visioning, use, you know, using sacred geometry to hone in a practice where we um, connect more, open up more of those relationships of proportion and visual symbology that can be really complex, as anyone may know who's had some sort of activation that, that releases DMT into the brain, whether it's your own physiology or an exogenous substance, um, you can get all kinds of information and that can come through then as intuition, whether you're predominantly an auditory, clear audience or clear visual, you know, uh, clairvoyant, clear visual, um, sacred geometry can still help enhance all of that, our tuning in. It's like our, especially when you're focused on something just so balanced and harmonious, it can help center us in, in a way that helps us center what we're receiving in our intuition. So now, oh my goodness, thank you. Yeah. Uh, the connection, no wonder it's called sacred geometry. It's coming directly from source, the movement yes. of source expanding away from itself and looking yes. back at itself. Wow, okay. Well, I know people are gonna just be surrounding themselves with sacred geometry, the platonic solids or some of the other images. And we can draw this, we can learn to draw it. And as we draw it, you're saying that it's changing our brain, it's changing our chemistry, and we're gonna get very creative from that. And so this is where the workshops that you teach help facilitate that for people. This is a great time yes. to talk about that. Let's, let's hear more okay. about your special offer and workshops that you hold. These are sacred geometry workshops. Yes, they are. Thank you. It, because this seems to be such a powerful way to engage with sacred geometry, I do love to, to offer workshops. And um, I'm creating more videos as well so that people can do them at their leisure. But the special offers that are on your website um, on the New Earth One, uh, they are workshops that one of them is live, one of them is pre-recorded, and it's probably the best entry point um, for understanding the divine feminine in sacred geometry, where we draw the Vesica Pisces and we show how all form is birthed, birthed through that. And then the next level is a sacred geometry workshop um, on Zoom. Um, I've wanted to keep the, the numbers fairly small to eight people because, you know, I can give you more attention, in, attention um, with your intentions and then record that and make that available also for, for download on your website after that event, which is on uh, September 25th, I believe it's a Saturday. Uh, and then the, the next level one is a really personalized one-on-one -on -one session with me where we can go in deep into a form. So if there's something that you've wanted to explore on a deeper level, 
Um, I can teach you how to draw it. We'll draw it together. We'll do some creative work with it and then uh, sit with it, do a little meditation, some reflection on it. And so we go even deeper and more one-on-one -on -one with that offer. So I'll keep offering um, various workshops uh, through Sacred Geometry Portal. And the ones that I'm offering on um, your websites, Loren, are really quintessential and a great way to get going with this work. So I appreciate this opportunity to share with your listeners, your audience. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We are excited for that. This is again, all available on the webpage for people to check out and sign up. Again, it's just a beautiful introduction and an entryway into playing with sacred geometry and yes. just wait and see what expands from there. Yes, awesome. I've had so many people say that they uh, notice their dream time really greatly enhanced. They notice more synchronicities. Uh -huh. They notice, they feel as though they're remembering things that were long lost. Um, I've had people say, I really feel like it must, I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I feel like it's doing something to my DNA. And I've heard that enough that it's like, wow, that's surprising to hear so many people say that. So, yeah. Yeah, interesting. It, it, I, now it makes sense that the DNA could open, what they call the dormant DNA can begin mm -hmm. to activate with this connection to divine source. Um, truly, again, if all it does is help us see the connection between each other and in our own self, I mean, when you look at your finger and you see that each element is yes i mean that's just fascinating we are divine we are the geometry i like to say we are the yin yang and that's i like to say we're it's frozen music too back to, to our talk about music that because of cymatics it's it's mute and we are that music in motion and sacred geometry in motion yeah frozen. sorry if i cut you off there no, no, no. I was just reiterating frozen music. Frozen yeah. music. Because of what cymatics does, it reveals the multidimensionality of music, of sound. Of wow. the way sound interacts in matter in this in this level. And maybe higher levels too. So yeah. It can be reorganizing the subtle energies around us. And the, the atomic structure, the, the, the molecules, the matter. Yeah. Yes. Again, it just comes back to sound and what that does. And even light language, when our mind can't even comp comp comprehend or understand it, and our ego mind might just say it's gibberish. But yeah. wow, there is something there with every tone. Again, um, it's ancient wisdom coming back to be revealed. Really beautiful. All right. Well, again, come learn everyone about um, the Vesica Pisces, about sacred geometry, your connection through sacred geometry to divine source. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Diane is a beautiful teacher and she actually is a beautiful designer with it as well. And we just thank you for it. Let's go to a question. Sure. Tracy, hello. 
You can unmute yourself, Tracy. Hi, Tracy. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi. How are you? Awesome. Feeling great. Awesome. So I've been um, trying to find the meaning of sacred geometry and Googling it, as you said you did, Lauren, but I was never given the explanation as simply as you put it just now, dearest Elizabeth. Thank you so much. Ah, thank you. Thank you for that feedback. And I'm glad that, that it gave you more understanding. It, it does. It makes so much more sense now. And and as you were mentioning, you know, the DMT, I've, I've had some experience, lots of it, as a matter of fact, with, with, the, with the DMT molecules. And that's one of the first things that uh, that the, it explodes within, you know, the opening of your, your third eye and your mind is, is all these incredible patterns and colors and how they move and vibrate together. But it makes sense that, that as we are, are, are moving forward and using our thoughts, intentions, and our voice, what we're creating, what's going out from us and what it's creating, that's sacred geometry. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. You, you may not see it, you know, around you all the time because we're designed to navigate this physical world. So our focus, our senses are going to be mostly on the physical, but yet underlying that these things are happening around us all the time, you know, with sacred geometry being, you know, that those line works or arcs and circles that you see those patterns that you see also providing a structure for movement and flow. So I've seen this, that there's energy, energy and information are always combined, but it's just like flowing around the structure, that underlying pattern that um, is, is so cool. And I can't really say that one comes before the other. I think they are together. So if we're holding an intention of, uh, you know, like harmony through a form or, or, a pattern that we want to experience something a certain way, the energy, the stronger that that is in our mind and in our yes, field, yes, yes, the more yes. it can align the energies that flow with us. Exactly. That's exactly where my, my, my brain, we're trying to form the words, you know, exactly. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So very cool. So, <laughs> that is, I mean, it's like, I'm more of a feeling person. I feel I'm very sensitive in my feeling you know and i can feel energies and things like that like immediately at the same token my energies can get super duper like hyped up or what have you and and, and if i take the time to breathe in um one of these beautiful you know patterns into my third eye then i can i can reform the energy that i'm i'm projecting outwardly to be more in harmony or, or well within the sacred geometry of life right absolutely yes i would agree with that and i think that part of what happens at least for me my experience doing that is it takes me out of the mind chatter yeah and yeah and to give my mind a different task that's a you know informing what i want around me and within me 
Right, right. I have been researching, trying to get a definition that would help me understand. I was, I had a channeling done a few years back and, and, and part of what they told me this, as soon as you figure out how, you know, you, you discover your sacred geometry and your, your divine blueprint. And, and I'm like, what is sacred geometry? And I go to look it up and, and nothing came planning it as you have today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tracy. Thank, thank you for Beautiful tuning in. Job. Yeah. I'm so happy to be with both of you. It's incredible. I love you. Thanks. I love you. <laughs> okay, bye. Thank you, Tracy. Bye-bye. Wow, thank you. Okay, it is really interesting. We're going to go to Michelle Sarah next, but I wanted to share this comment that came in from Daniel. This you're helping all of us um, see into this so much better, Elizabeth. It's wonderful. Tracy, I'm going to mute you. There you go. Sorry. Um, Daniel says, sacred geometry is a static screenshot of the symphony of source. As we activate it within ourselves, we realize our connection to divinity as a moving mandala of the sacred symphony. Ah, uh, so beautifully poetic and accurate i'd say daniel <laughs> thank you wow, wow. a yeah. symphony of source a symphony mm -hmm. of source wow okay so Back to sound. with mm -hmm. it everyone and then here's blissa blissa has a beautiful comment about your workshop that hi blissa yeah she says i experienced the class joining me in dream time lisa is an excellent teacher I'm very excited about the addition of study through the body in my current NIA training and the introduction to Laban dance therapy. Yeah. Cool. And There's so many applications for this. I'm grateful yeah. to hear that you're applying it, Blissa. Wow. Wow. Okay, beautiful. And Linda has a question. Can we call back our gifts? or pieces that have fractured off and bring these back to our being through sacred geometry? That is such a cool question. I, you know, I've yet, I do use it in ways. Yes. For, for that. And to be honest, it's like actually inspired through Meg Benedicte, who is um, another guest that you have frequently, Lauren. And I always resonated with Meg's work because I was, shown this this Taurus it started as a vortex and in in a meditation it was just you know shown to me Meg works with the same counter-rotating vortex to essentially you know this is like sacred geometry in motion that helps you spin off what is blocking and then bringing back more of your whole true self and so um I know her process is um available uh you know so if you wanted to look into that uh you know i highly recommend her work especially for you know calling back your gifts she leads meditations where she's having you connect with your you know like your soul's star planet or where your soul was birthed to bring back all pieces um her process is very powerful I'm sure there's many other ways to do it as well. Um, just simply holding that intention to bring them back. You might use a sacred geometry form that resonates with you, whether 
It's um, something, you know, a simple Vesica Pisces or Flower of Life or that square root of two spiral I showed earlier. And you can imagine that you are whole and that contained in each little aspect, each little little triad piece or each little petal is an aspect of you and you're calling it all back until your mind sees it complete and that may be a powerful process if you feel like trying that i'd love to hear how it works out for you and and wishing you many blessings on your journey thanks linda for that question yeah thank really you linda cool. very very cool and uh, it's our experiences with sacred geometry and sharing our experiences that's going to allow others to learn it and witness it as well in their own lives. So it's all very, very cool. We encourage folks to sign up and learn from Elizabeth Diane. Learn from this beautiful teacher. She is available for you. And hopefully you are ready to expand in this way, in this connection mm -hmm. of your own divinity. Okay, let's go to mm -hmm. Michelle Sarah. Michelle, hi, you can unmute. Hello. Hello. Hi, Michelle. Hello, um, Lisa and Lauren. Thank you for this wonderful conversation. It brings so much together. My body consciousness has been um, it begins by asking me to breathe through an organ and I'll breathe through that and um, it will bring up, say, a ragged shape that I'll see within that organ. And then it will ask me to put a sacred geometry shape into that organ. And um, it's amazing because like Meg said, it spins anti-clockwise to take out and clockwise yeah. to take back in to bring stuff back in. And often my body consciousness will give me a tone to sing. And then um, it'll connect to another organ that um, needs healing also. Uh, and the sacred geometry and the tones just come, come together. And it just feels so absolutely wonderful, like, I'm using the sacred geometry and the tones to sing myself back into wholeness. And it feels so, so wonderful. Wow. Oh, Michelle, thank you for sharing that. And, and hearing from you is so inspiring because, you know, that there's so many ways to use sacred geometry and letting your source guide you in that is super powerful. I think a lot of people have the idea that sacred geometry is all very left-brained and prescribed, and you have to understand what this means and apply it this way. But if you're open to a guidance and it's, it's saying, no, use this form or this one for this organ or that, that that's the, yeah, that's that balance to me of, of the, intuitive sides you definitely using your intuition and your divine guidance uh, to inform something that's restructuring yeah thank you yeah it's it just feels so wonderfully supportive and it's it's like as i've learned to go into this now i totally trust my body consciousness to tell me 
exactly what symbol, exactly what colour, exactly what tone. And mm. just to be able to follow that to heal my own body is so wonderful. So thank you both. Thank you, Michelle. Yes, Michelle, thank you. You have helped other people on this call. I hope you understand and realize that, sister. So beautiful. You're a beautiful teacher as well. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. Wow. Mm. Okay. Thanks again. Really, really fascinating. And the comments coming in, Elizabeth, are so supportive of your work. And wow. um, mm. people have a new understanding. I have a new understanding. You have a beautiful way of articulating exactly what's going on here. I want to share Daniel's comment. Daniel says, I've also taken Elizabeth's workshops and have found much value in practicing the drawings and creating a personal relationship with these sacred geometrical forms. Beautiful. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Daniel. I, I'm really grateful to hear that you're building that personal relationship because I feel that it's really important at this time to discover our own truth that even if we we absolutely learn from each other and we get inspired from each other and then to make it your own as you're doing awesome thank you and we can we can take our businesses our healing practices and use sacred geometry like michelle was saying for her own healing, we can put our intentions and um, um, we've done this in a class where you take your ideals of your business and what you stand for and put it at each point of the geometry. And again, that just amplifies it all. So beautiful, beautiful tools. And we will witness in our world how sacred geometry has enhanced and affected our lives as we move through the future with this geometry, the sacred geometry. Michelle or Elizabeth, thank you so much. I wanted to give you another moment before we wrap up so you can share final comments or thoughts on this whole topic. Uh, thank you, Lauren. Well, mostly right now, I'm, I'm feeling so inspired to connect with all of you and uh, for what you've offered here, Lauren, and I really would love to work with anyone who's interested in, in exploring this further with me. Um, that's what I think is the beautiful thing about the offerings that you have, Lauren, on the, on the website. Uh, it's a great way to connect and, and start drawing and see what comes through. Um, I'm available at sacredgeometryportal.com. Um, so I'd love to hear feedback. I'd love to hear uh, you know, how we can move forward together, uh, exploring sacred geometry. Um, I can offer so many different things. I would, I would love to be able to offer even more offerings. I do whole, whole workshop series on just crop circles or whole workshop series just on, you know, uh, the platonic solids, for example, and, and weave them into to ways that they become really useful in, in our lives. So I'm, yeah, I'm just, Again, very, very grateful to be here and want to thank you all for taking your time. Yeah. Thank you, Elizabeth, Diane. This has been very enlightening. 
And yes, stay tuned everyone for more courses from Elizabeth Diane, especially on the crop circles. That is a whole nother conversation. We'll have you back again soon. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. There's so much that we can share and explore together and keep inspired. Yes, beautiful. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. We love you and we are excited for your courses. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I love all of you too. And yeah, make it a beautiful day. Yeah. So love. much love. Love. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this quantum conversation and thank you for dancing with us to the cosmic heart. As we raise our own vibration, we raise the vibration of the planet. This show is dedicated to you and all awakening hearts as we are here to shine our bright light and amplify our love. Access all quantum conversations, special offers from our guests, and online healing retreats by visiting AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and from my sacred heart to yours, I honor your magnificent love and light. We leave you now with music from the universe. Music literally created by the universe as musical notes were assigned to mathematical equations. The result is this beautiful music available at AcousticHealth.com. Namaste.